Hi, Bonnie. We're back for episode two. We are. I'm coming in with full fucking frantic energy. Would you like a gin? Absolutely. <laughs> this is a journey into science. What is it all about? God, that cheers was fucking, fucking outerworldly. Welcome to Sound Scientific, the podcast for people who enjoy science but can't be fucked reading the papers. Today we're talking about a paper that was on the news recently, but also picked up by I Fucking Love Science, so you know it's a good one, and it is titled Dogs Mentally Represent Jealousy-Inducing Social Interactions. And we'll decode what that actually means in a hot minute, but first, Bonnie, how was your week? My week was pretty good. I've been mainly preoccupied with house hunting. Um, Over the weekend, I pretty much just drank wine and looked for houses online and tried to walk my pets and yeah it's been pretty chill what have i been up to basically my life is just consumed by the fact that i have a weird ovary at the moment (laughs) it's like you're dying of cancer but what if we say that and then in like two weeks time we come to do this episode but i mean the takeaway message is ovaries let's talk about them you know so you're not dying? I, I don't know yet. I have to wait for like two weeks to get a scan. Hopefully everything is fine, but it's just taking up all of my mental energy. I'm like lying in bed and I feel like an ache in my toe and I'm like, ooh. Must be cancer. Must be the ovary. <laughs> Christ. Okay. In the study, a bunch of dogs and their owners came into the lab and the researchers put the dogs in jealousy-inducing situations to see if they showed jealous behaviour. Seeing the owners pet a social rival, which is a fake dog, or a control, which was a fleece cylinder. The researchers predicted that the fake dog would elicit more jealous behaviour than the fleece cylinder. The dogs were tethered across the room from the owner and how hard they pulled to reach the owner, which is akin to trying to interrupt their interaction, was measured in two experimental settings. One condition was a fake dog representing a social rival. In the other condition, they used a flea cylinder that just represented an inanimate object, so not a social rival. In the fake dog condition, a dog was initially able to see their owner sitting next to a fake dog, Then a barrier was pulled across, concealing that fake dog. This meant the real dog had to mentally represent or imagine the interaction between their owner and the fake dog. Then they measured the dog's peak pull force, or how strongly they pulled. In the fleece cylinder experiment, they were able to see their owner interacting with the cylinder the whole time, so no barrier was pulled across. They measured the dog's peak pulling force. And what they found was that the dogs pulled harder when the owners were interacting with the fake dog, a social rival, compared to when they were interacting with the fleece cylinder. And these results suggest that dogs display the same jealousy signatures that we see in mothers and infant humans. With infants and mothers, a big tell of jealousy behaviour is... Say the mother's interacting with another baby, the baby gets pissed off and tries to interfere with the interaction, ergo, jealousy. And so now that you're sitting here imagining babies on leashes pulling across the room, they actually... (laughs) (laughs) Babies that get tangled in the mall on leashes. Imagine imagine the screening process 
<laughs> There'd be like a questionnaire and it'd be like, does your, do you walk your child on a leash? Yes. Does your, well, you can does be your child study. behave on a leash appropriately? <laughs> or does it pull? <laughs> does your baby pull on a leash? That's the only thing. <laughs> oh. So now that we've got the semantics down. <laughs> This research is really cool because it's the first study that suggests dogs are able to mentally represent jealousy-inducing interactions, similar to how we are able to get jealous, say if you simply saw your partner going into a room with someone else. You imagine what could be happening and get jealous about it, despite not actually have seen them bang. <laughs> That's, you sound like you shouldn't be using the word bang. I know. You're like, oh, I'm more of a make-love person. <laughs> getting freaky. I'm going to say getting freaky. Yeah. You imagine what could be happening and get jealous about it, despite not actually seeing them getting freaky. Other papers have shown jealous behavior in dogs, but not the mental representation part. So that is a quick summary of the paper and what they did. So now we're just going to get into the nitty gritty parts of this paper that made it so great. So first of all, the researchers took so many things into account and this was a really well designed paper. Like we kept, th we, as we were reading it for the first time, we thought, oh, I wonder if they considered this. And then you'd read on a few paragraphs and they had of course considered that. And every single time it was just bang on. So we're going to break that down a little. So behavior research, and specifically in animals, is really a big spectrum, and there's a lot of overlap between behaviors. And so one of the really great things about this paper is they only measured one thing in context of it being jealousy, which was the pulling behavior. So they were just measuring the peak pulling force, and so the strongest they pulled throughout the time. Yeah. Simple. Simple. <laughs> And then also they really broke down the experiment and made sure that they were really covering all of these three very specific jealousy signatures. And so the first one being that the jealous behavior is emerging from a social partner attending to a social rival and not just a non-social object. So that is the fake dog representing a social rival versus a flea cylinder, which is an inanimate object. And then the second signature was that it's emerging specifically in response to the interaction and not just because of the presence of that other conspecific or other dog. And so that the way they controlled for that is they had the fake dog in front of the barrier in the flea cylinder. And so there was always a fake. And the last one is that the jealous behavior is emerging even though real dog can't see the fake dog and the human interacting. So it's purely in the um, in the dog's mind. So they have to mentally represent what's going on and they're not just seeing because the interaction was out of sight. Um, so these signatures and these jealousy behaviors are actually really well represented in humans, especially in mothers and, and so... And so the main way they measure it is by the babies trying to approach their mothers. And so, but really cool in humans, because there's just so much more work and then you can hook up babies to brain monitors way easier. They actually measure it by um, the approach centers of the brain lighting up, which is so cool. So they just measure it based on brain activity rather than putting babies on leashes. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, so these experiments were fully based off the human equivalent jealousy experiments. Um, the dogs that they used as the social rival, so the fake dogs, they were really realistic looking. So they had realistic 
like markings of markings. different brains. Yeah. yeah, and textures and everything. And a lot of um, do- fake dogs that have been used in previous studies, it's just like a brown plastic thing, shaped yeah. dog. But these ones were um, based off real breeds and had real realistic texture. Another cool thing that they controlled for is they wanted to make sure that the real dogs were convinced that the fake dogs were in fact a real dog (laughs) so roundabout and the way they did this is that previous work has shown that at about a three meter distance dogs can pick up on the fact that they're not real dogs yeah they're aware of it so they made sure the distance between the fake dog and the real dog was five meter distance to give an extra two meters to be sure So another important part about testing for jealousy signatures or behaviors is that the situation or the interaction that they're getting jealous of has to be due to that and not just the presence of the other social rival. And so the way they control for this was always having the fake dog in the room whenever the experiment was going. So when they had the flea cylinder experiment, they still had the fake dog on the outside of the barrier. So it was always in the room. So they could rule out the idea that the real dogs were acting out of aggression or playfulness towards the presence of the fake dog alone and ensure that their behaviours were in response to the interaction itself, not just the presence of the dog, by making sure that the dog was, always the fake the dog was always in the room to control for, against aggression, um, playfulness, blah, blah, blah. So that was very smart of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is, because you can imagine them just seeing it in the room and being like... Mm. Yeah, or imagine if they were just pulling to try get to the fake dogs. Like, yeah. I want to play. I want to play over oh, there. Yeah. yeah, and so, yeah, they had to make sure it was an interaction itself, not just the presence of the fake dog. So smart. So smart. I yeah. Know. And that relates right over to humans, too, which is really cool. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so then they had to control for the owner behaviors, because we all know how much we influence our dogs behaviors they wanted to combat the clever hans effect so clever hans if you don't know was this apparently really smart horse back way back i don't know when that apparently knew arithmetic uh but what was actually happening is the horse was wasn't able to actually count he was just getting cues from the owner when the number landed on the right answer the owner was giving us off some subconscious cues that the horse learned to pick up on and would respond in the right way and so that is now coined as the clever hans effect where they're not the animal isn't actually understanding what's going on they're just reading cues from their owner or handler and so two things that was really clever about this is the humans were wearing goggles and noise cancelling headphones with or no they had noise cancelling headphones but they were playing white noise to them (laughs) and that's honestly how i want to live my life yeah (laughs) (laughs) the owners weren't even petting the fake dog so they would pull the barrier and then tip over the fake dog and then the owner would be petting this felted shelf yeah so essentially the owners had no idea what they were petting. So they were blind to the condition themselves so that they weren't able to give off any they subconscious cues. They weren't able to cues. bias, yeah. Yeah. And then there's the best part about the owner control. I want to find the part where they actually use the words. Um, because this is in a published scientific paper. Yeah. And these very doggy words yeah. made the cut. So the owners were instructed before the experiment that they 
couldn't use words that the real dogs might know, for example, training commands or words that might cause their dog to get excited. This is written in an academic paper, e.g. treats, balls, walkies. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, owners repeated a few generic phrases. For example, what a good boy. (laughs) You're such a good dog. What a clever girl. (laughs) I love that so much. (laughs) That's so good. Uh, It's even made Stewie. Yes, now Stewie's all (laughs) excited because you're a good boy. Yeah, so those were some of the really big things that we took away that we just thought were amazing and they just accounted for so much. Yeah. Um, But then also at the end, they did a confirmation test just to assure that the real dogs did in fact think that the fake dogs were real dogs. Yeah. And so they recorded the dogs approaching these fake dogs and then they compared and looked at their doggy behaviors that they had when they walked up to them. And that was head sniffing. Yeah. So cute. So there's certain behaviors that represent uh, what would happen in a real interaction between a real dog and a real dog. And they look for these signatures. That's what. So they were looking for those signatures in the confirmation test because um, presumably the dog wouldn't go over and, over and sniff the face of a fake dog. Fake dog. There was a couple of things that would be interesting in a follow-up experiment that we'd want to add into what they've done here. Yeah. So if the first one, so it wasn't a balanced experiment where they were the exact same conditions. And so Mm -hmm. in the fleece cylinder experiment, the dog was able to see their owner interacting with the fleece cylinder the whole time. Yes. They didn't pull the barrier across, eh? Yep. So they didn't pull the barrier and obscured their view. And so this was actually just to make sure that the dogs knew that they were interacting with a inanimate object and so they had advice from a dog behavior expert on this and they suggested leaving it so they could definitely see and definitely know that it was an inanimate object and it Mm -hmm. didn't like turn into a real dog i think it would have been so interesting because i feel like me too they probably would have had the same results of stronger pulling towards the fake dog than the cylinder either way even when the barrier was closed I so it would so. have been interesting to test that yeah but yeah yeah so yeah it'd be it probably would be exactly the same but it would be really interesting to do it again to and add that see. yeah yeah because you can imagine, like, the last thing the dogs see before the bear is closed <laughs> is this new love bond between these two new dogs. And they're like, what are they going to do with the fleece cylinder? Great. I don't care. <laughs> oh, so interesting. And then they also didn't counterbalance. What was the other thing they didn't counterbalance? Oh, they didn't go, unless they did. Oh, yeah, the they sniff didn't, test. Yep. Yeah. So they didn't get the dogs to go over and sniff the cylinder after to do the same, like, sniff test behavioral confirmation. Mm. I mean, maybe they did, and it just wasn't reported in the paper, because that yeah. wasn't, like, an essential thing. But um, who knows? If we get an answer to that, yeah, we'll let you guys know. So, yeah, in conclusion... Very well thought out study, uh, but there was just two little things around counterbalancing the cylinder condition that would be good to add in, just to be yeah. extra sure, because yeah. fuck, that's what science like is exactly. like, isn't it? We just Those were our two big questions mm. at the end, and yep. that was it. everything else, because I was reading the paper like 15 minutes before Bonnie, and so she'd be like, <laughs> I wonder if they did this, and I'm like, just keep reading. Keep reading. I, wonder if they, I wonder if they did this, keep reading. Yeah. <laughs> They are also behavior scientists. They have thought of these things. They've thought of but all the things. It's so satisfying because so you satisfying. also feel smart that you thought of 
that, it, and then they've also yeah. thought of that and reported it. It's our only. It's our own confirmation test. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's like a little self quiz. Like, did you come up with these questions while reading the paper? Like, yes, they did. <laughs> so good. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if next test they have three conditions. They've got the fake dog. They've got the cylinder but then they also have a real dog yeah but then if they used a real dog things might there there's unchanged variables so it might be stinkier one day or it might be in a different mood there's more things to control mm. for okay unless you had like a really monotone like finding that specific dog to use as the real dog that stayed completely constant the whole time but even yep. like pheromones if it had a bad day mm. if it liked an owner more if i feel stunk. like if it stunk or if the dog had biases towards the owner and didn't mm. want to be a part of that or yeah i feel like using a real dog would just make so many more confounding factors than a fake dog it's good in theory bad in practice yeah. too many variables still fun to do okay still fun to think <laughs> about um i wondered if there would be a gender difference Ooh. so if they did the same thing but with groups of male dogs versus female dogs and see and see if it was different yeah yeah that would oh also it was like why are there no smiles triggered. So, so I, was, triggered. I was so triggered but then um we were asking amalia um the first author about this and she was worried that the small dogs would hurt themselves pulling which is so genuine <laughs> so cute um Aww. but i also i also thought i'm like i wonder how much it would show up they're like pulling with all of their might like imagine billy pulling versus like a great dane <laughs> negative pee pulling <laughs> so we know especially with dogs and humans because our bond is so strong since we co-evolved for 20 thousand odd years sure bonnie yeah so we know that they learn behaviors from us so typically if you are a really really anxious person your dog will typically be an anxious dog hey oh yep <laughs> um and so i wondered if there was an element of learning from the owner so this would be really this is an if they're really jealous because their dog yeah. you know this is a thing that would be you know no one would fund this and no one would really care but in a perfect world, if we could test every little inquiry we came up with, how cool would it be to somehow screen <laughs> super jealous behavior in people? people? So you're a really super, super jealous person and you have a dog versus people that are just yeah. so lax and then compare. That would be so interesting. Because I wonder if they learn that jealous behavior from, from us. From us. That's so, oh, that'd be amazing. That would be amazing. We're here eager waiting for the funding. <laughs> If you've got any leads, if you've got hit us up. <laughs> Here to test at your disposal. Yeah. Part of the reason they replicated human jealousy experiments here is that some researchers have suggested that jealousy is linked to self-awareness and theory of mind. Slight sidebar here, just defining what theory of mind is for anyone that doesn't know what that is. It is a term usually used in psychology that measures the, an individual's degree of capacity for empathy and, the key part, understanding of others. sally test is used in young children and they used it to measure at what age children start to become aware of the minds of others. And this kind of makes sense when I describe the test. So they've got two kids in a room. Sally has a basket. Anne has a box. And then Sally has a marble and she puts the marble into her basket. Sally then leaves the room. Anne takes the marble out of the basket and puts it into the box. When Sally comes back, where will Sally look for her marble? 
She just wants to play with the marble. So the child is in a room and they witness this Sally Ann weird story thing that's going on. The pictures of this are so creepy. Um, <laughs> Visual aid. Yeah. So they witness the interaction. The baby or child witnesses this interaction and they say to the baby, okay, they say to the child, <laughs> not the fucking baby. They say to the child, we will send Sally look for her marble. If the child is capable of theory of mind, they will say Sally's going to look for it in her basket because that's where she thinks it was because she didn't see the marble move to the box when she left the room. But if the child isn't capable of theory of mind, they'll say she's going to look for it in the box because they've seen the marble. So they're not attributing what Sally may know or not know. All right. Does that make sense? I think so. I think it does. Obviously, because I know. Anyway, so in short, theory of mind is the capability of um, being able to attribute thoughts in other people's minds. (laughs) All right, so back from the sidebar. Researchers have suggested that jealousy is a link to self-awareness and theory of mind. This leads to claims that jealousy is unique to humans. This kind of means that there's two takeaways from this paper. Option A (laughs) is that... Because dogs demonstrate jealous behavior, it could mean either option A, that jealousy isn't related to self-awareness and theory of mind, because dogs can do it. Or, on the other side of the coin, jealousy is still linked to self-awareness and theory of mind, but it's not just unique to humans. Dogs are capable of self-awareness and theory of mind because they might be jealous. And so you're going to find with animal behaviorists, they're going to want to lean towards that the animals are capable of these cool cognitive things. But then on the other hand, you'll get naysayers. You'll get the naysayers. There's so many naysayers when it comes to animal cognition. (laughs) Psychologists. Yeah. (laughs) They just think humans are this big special thing and only humans are capable of certain cognitive capabilities and any test that a dog or other animal can pass, the same fucking test that they use in the humans, if the dogs pass it, they say, no, that's not right. But if the humans pass it, they go, look, humans are capable of self-awareness at the age of two or something. Yeah, so even at the end of this, we can't say that dogs are jealous. No, we We can just say that they display jealous behaviours. Yes. So this is a classic situation of looks like a zebra, sounds like a zebra. But we can't call it a zebra. But we can't call it a zebra because um, we can't confirm with the zebra that it is in fact a zebra. So there's that lack of communication. People can report that their dogs are jealous. Yep. But in science, we can't say that. You have to say the dogs demonstrate jealous behavior. Yeah. The reason for this is because we don't get any verbal feedback from animals. So we can't assume a perception on them. So saying that they are jealous is assuming an internal perception that they have. And we can't do that for dogs or any other animal, even though, even if those same tests are shown in humans and the tests are completely comparable we can't say dogs are jealous oh my god <laughs> been attacked by soundproof i thought that was gonna be so oh, so much progress than it's what it foam. was Why are i we know jumping? i don't know <laughs> 
Anyways, anyway. so because we can't verbally confirm that these behaviors or emotions with animals, we can't say that it definitely is that. Yeah, but that's why we can say with humans, oh, they were jealous because it's the it's all about the communication. Yeah. It's always about communication. It's always about communication. communication. <laughs> <laughs> so close. Because this paper has been quite impactful and it's made its way through a few social and just news outlets um there's some really great science communication shout out to this team they're amazing at the science communication so we'll add in all of their social medias and websites and any videos in the show notes because there's a lot of ways you can access this information in a really compressed digested way that's it for this week folks so loud (laughs) my sound was so bad (laughs) that's it for this week folks you can find us on our instagram page at this point Twitter pending. Um, so our Instagram is sound scientific, all one word. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great whatever time you're listening to this. Yeah, whatever time you're listening to this. Adios. Toodaloo. This is a journey into science. Science. What is it all about?